Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yeah, we are the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I am Dan, that's Ryan, and once again this week we are bringing in our buddy John. It's John Arrington, uh, DLF writer and uh, podcast extraordinaire. John, how's it going, bud? Welcome back. Great to be back. I'm so excited. I've been on like a little mini vacation all weekend. And so uh, this is the perfect way to transition back into the real world and talk some football like it was a regular Sunday, even though it's the first Sunday without football. Yeah. Is there a little depression with with no football to watch? I, I We had a little bit of that with Pro Bowl week, unless you really get into the Pro Bowl, which I don't know anybody that does that. But that it, that kind of set the table for now this week where I got a lot of honeydew things done this weekend. I worked on the house, got a lot of stuff done that I've been probably uh, getting away with not doing because of football for the last oh, four or five months. Um, so I guess I'm transitioning to that. Yeah, n- not too much of a depression for me. I was at Universal at a Universal Resort all weekend. So uh, <laughs> not too much depression, but a little more fun. But like I said, I'm I'm back here to the real world, and uh, and I'm sure it'll kick in at some point. Like, hey, uh, football is gone. Ryan, we're going to talk about new dynasty ADP on the show today. We got another rookie report for all the listeners as well. Um, but uh, how about you? How's uh, how's the first week without NFL football treating you? Yeah, no, no depression here yet either, but uh, no, no universal uh, studios or, or resorts either. So, you know, we're, we're stuck somewhere in the middle, I guess, but uh, I'll, I'm definitely ready to talk some dynasty here. Yeah, t- ready to talk rookies, but first we got to hit the startup. So let's get right to it. The startup. And we thought this week we'd go over some quarterback news and notes, some stuff just kind of coming across the wire that dynasty managers should be aware of and maybe thinking about uh, as free agency approaches. The first thing, Ryan, came from Seattle. Geno Smith, it looks like, is going to return as the Seahawks starting quarterback. His salary became guaranteed last week. So we, we had heard that there were some rumors that with the new coaching staff, they could move on from Smith after a somewhat disappointing season, certainly disappointing for any dynasty manager that had him locked in as that QB two that they thought they could get maybe QB one numbers. If you are a Geno Smith manager right now, how are you feeling? Uh, feeling great, actually. You know, if you've already got yeah. Geno Smith locked in on your dynasty roster, I think staying in Seattle at this point was the best case scenario. And Uh, If they had moved on, there's so many teams that do need a quarterback. I I think it's very likely he would have found another starting job, but essentially having that guaranteed with, with a a nice set of wide receivers, a a strong offense in general, and and this new coaching staff, I think all has to be viewed as a positive for Geno Smith. And um, this is, you know, it's just nice to have some actual concrete news. We talked about it before we started recording that it's, kind of rumor season we're going to have lots of rumors and reports and sometimes those turn into uh newsworthy but this is this is actually something we can uh, uh we we can actually make plans around speaking of coaching staff john seattle uh switched everything really and even that offensive coordinator there ryan grubb he leaves alabama to return i believe to seattle uh, that offense, honestly, I don't know enough about it. Maybe I need to dig into it. I'm wondering how Geno Smith, you can let me know if you know anything, is going to fit in now with a new offense and new philosophy potentially. Yeah, unfortunately, I do a Debbie podcast, but I do not focus on college offenses. So I do not know uh, how the offensive coordinator is going to run things or, or do things. Uh, that is not my forte. All I will say is that even though Geno Smith isn't really – uh, a player that we consider like this long-term, you know, viable player. Uh, I mean, he's been around. So, I mean, he's learned yeah. new offenses. This isn't this his first go around. This is, and his, ain't his first rodeo. So like, I think he's going to be just fine learning an offense. Like Ryan said, we actually have legit news here. He's getting, you know, 13 million, uh, you know, guaranteed just about like, I really feel like everything is, is pointing to Geno Smith is going to be the guy this year at the very least. Now there's not too many guarantees going forward that he's going to be the long-term guy. 
Uh, but I feel like you know, there, sometimes having that guarantee for one year is, is plenty for us. Other yeah, news so across was, the NFL. Oh, go ahead, Ryan. Uh, I was just going to add, Grubb was actually the offensive coordinator for the Washington Huskies, uh, officially left Alabama, but he had already moved on from Washington with the with the head coach there. So, I mean, oh, think about okay, yeah, think about the turnaround that you've seen with the Washington Huskies. Uh, college offense just over the past couple of years essentially went from one of the worst offenses in college to uh, playing for a national title this year, made Michael Penix and those wide receivers, uh, you know, potential first rounders uh, or certainly a first rounder in a Dunze's case. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, pretty optimistic uh, about Grubb and that offense. Yeah, I guess I should be too. I need to look a little bit more into that and that transition, what they're what that's going to look like. I have some some dynasty rosters that are going to depend on some Seahawks and particularly those running backs uh, in Seattle. Let's move on uh, to Jimmy Garoppolo. He was suspended this past week for two games for violating the substance abuse policy in the NFL. Another report says that Garoppolo is going to be released. Of course, during the season, he lost that job and there were reports that maybe he lost it so he wouldn't get hurt, wouldn't have that contract guaranteed and they could release him. So I don't think that's much of a surprise. Um, there's lots of r- rumors right now, John, that maybe the the Raiders could be moving up in the draft, looking targeting a quarterback. There's potential for that, of course. When you look at Garoppolo on a dynasty roster, you can't feel nearly as good as you do with Geno, right? No, I've been out on Garoppolo for quite some time. In fact, uh, AOC, Aiden O'Connell, ended up basically being one of my uh, highest rostered uh, later round QBs last year because I believe so little in Garoppolo. And so, I mean, I'm not trying to like tout or, you know, toot my own horn or anything like that. I'm just saying like I that I've never seen Jimmy Garoppolo actually elevate an offense or do anything like that. So I can't imagine that he's going to go anywhere else at this point and do that. Now we also know that the, you know, the NFL is, is pretty QB starved. And so I'm not saying he won't go get a job somewhere. Um, I just don't, I don't think he'll be guaranteed any kind of starting job or anything like that when it's all said and done. Yeah, it certainly doesn't look that way. Ryan, you mentioned that there's a lot of teams that need quarterbacks, but if you had to list the 32 best out there right now, it's unlikely that Garoppolo would be listed among those 32. Most right. likely he's going to land as a backup somewhere and, and likely with a, maybe a coaching staff that, that stems off of Shanahan or at least stems off, off maybe that New England Patriots coaching tree, somebody that could uh, he could sit under and potentially get a shot down the road. Yeah, it seems like for years, uh, whether it was New England or or wherever, that there were rumors or suggestions at least that Garoppolo and Belichick would end up uh, together again. And, you know, maybe, maybe that ends up being true. Both of them being unemployed. Um, I do think, uh, I do think Garoppolo ends up getting a job somewhere, but as you both already said, he's, he's not, he's not a starter. He's certainly not a fantasy starter. Uh, and if you've got him in, in your super flex league, it's, he's close to roster clogger status than he is being a fantasy starter at this point. I think right now, if I'm a 40 or if I'm a a Jimmy Garoppolo manager, I'm hoping that Sam Darnold moves on and he ends up back with the 49ers on one of those cheap backup deals. And maybe he gets a shot down the road if Purdy goes down and, and can build up that value somehow. The last bit of quarterback news to get to is the situation in Pittsburgh it's a murky situation at best, Ryan. There's reports that suggest the team is torn between Mason Rudolph and Kenny Pickett. Of course, Pickett started the season. Rudolph ended the season. Neither one of them did enough for dynasty managers to feel good about them moving forward. There's other reports that link Justin Fields to Pittsburgh. And I think there's a there's reports for almost every team that needs a quarterback <laughs> linking to Justin Fields at this point. But if you're if you're in the business of of trying to figure out which Steelers quarterback to manage or or have on your roster in dynasty, how you leaning right now? I mean, I'm I'm really surprised by the the reports that we see that it could be Rudolph versus Pickett. I mean, first of all, I'm I'm pretty sure Mason Rudolph's a free agent, so that's not necessarily 
Uh, I'm going to be an option for the Steelers if if he decides he's ready to move on. Uh, I mean, both of those are are frustrating from a fantasy standpoint. A Steelers fan, I I know obviously they were able to uh, make the playoffs with with that duo, but I mean, you can't feel confident about it. And you look at the rest of the roster from an offensive standpoint, and there's lots of players to be excited about uh, from, from a fantasy and dynasty standpoint. And then you just think, you know, if, if we've got to do Rudolph or Pickett again, um, man, just, just so frustrating. So I hope it's Fields or at least someone that's a clear step up from, uh, from Kenny Pickett. How about you, John? How how you feeling about that Steelers situation under center? Yeah, I'm with Ryan on this one, and and I just checked. Uh, Mason Rudolph is definitely a UFA as of right now, so they have to re-sign him or tag him. There's no way in hell they're tagging him. I mean, or if they do, man, the Steelers oh, have man, more I problems. Wish they than... would. I wish they. Yeah, would. <laughs> <laughs> the Steelers have more problems than we actually thought they do, but. Uh... Yeah, I mean, it, it was rough. And I mean, we saw towards the end, like, don't get me wrong, Rudolph did look pretty darn good when, it, uh, you know, the last couple of games. But that last game of the season, I think it was, or uh, maybe it was the first playoff game, whatever it was, he turned back into a pumpkin. We all saw it, you know, so I don't think that there's any long-term viability here with either one. I mean, Kenny Pickett has proven while he's young-ish and, and all that, you know, that He's just never going to be that guy. Like he's, he could probably be a quality, like even a high end backup, but he's probably not going to be that starter. As far as the Justin Fields thing, like you said, he's being linked to every team, which is kind of hilarious because it's, it's like if every team wants Justin Fields, why don't, why don't the Bears just keep Fields and then trade the 101? You know, that's, that's a whole other topic that we could talk about, of course. But, uh, I mean, obviously I would much prefer the Steelers to have Justin Fields or somebody like that. I just don't know how realistic it is without them giving up uh, a substantial, you know, substantial draft capital or whatever. And I mean, maybe they will because they've been in such like dire straits since Roethlisberger left. But I don't know. I, I don't know what to believe at this point. Doesn't feel like a great fit with Mike Tomlin to me. Tom, Tomlin wants somebody that that doesn't make those mistakes that we've seen Fields make uh, too many times in Chicago. Uh, before we get to uh, the next segment on the show, we got to get a brief note from our sponsor, DraftKings, and their newest product, uh, Pick 6. This week's episode of the podcast is brought to you by the guys over at DraftKings and their newest product called Pick 6. It's a pick'em style platform where you choose players to have more or less of a certain statistical category Things like passing yards, rushing yards, etc. But the twist that DK has made is it's a peer-to-peer platform. So if you're contrarian and you outsmart your opponents, the winnings can be massive. It's also available in 21 states, including some that don't even have sports betting. I'm pretty new to pick six, but I can tell you, I already love it, and I think you will too. So sign up using our link in the show notes, and you'll get a $100 no-stress first pick for new users. Check out those show notes and sign up today. You down with ADP? Yeah, you know me. Ryan, you did all the mocks once again over on DLF and collected all the ADP for February. So new Dynasty uh, ADP is out. And if you want to check that out, go to DynastyLeagueFootball.com and you can reap the rewards of all of Ryan's work. There's a handful of things that jumped off to you when you were looking at this ADP, Ryan. What was the main thing that really grabbed your attention? Well, I will uh, I will start with this, that uh, ADP is not quite out yet. We're, it's still kind of in the works. So consider oh, this consider okay. this a sneak peek. Uh, hopefully will be posted later this week uh, over at DLF. But not quite ready yet, so... Uh, yeah, sneak sneak preview coming right now in this conversation. You know, February is maybe my favorite uh, month to to collect the ADP. We do it every single month, even during the season. But February represents the month where the rookies get added. So that's why yeah. I, I, I love it so much. We see how those rookies are being valued compared to veterans. We see lots of change in ADP because the rookies are pushing – uh, pushing other players down the board uh, and, and essentially creating a new value tier or, or a new ADP for specific players. So, yeah, it's it's certainly the rookies that stand out when you're looking at this uh, this data set. And 
Uh, again, this is just our one quarterback ADP. We'll have Superflex posted as well. But when you're talking those one quarterback leagues, Marvin Harrison Jr. is is a pretty clear rookie 101, and he's a uh, pretty clearly the top rookie in our our startup ADP as well. In fact, one of the highest February rookie ADPs we've ever had. Marvin Harrison Jr. 12 overall. He's also the wide receiver seven. He's a first rounder in dynasty startups in those single quarterback leagues already before the combine, before he's drafted, before he takes a snap, all those things. Many dynasty managers will shake their head to that. Of course, a rookie rookie wide receiver being in the top 12 this early. But the truth is Harrison, his profile is, is so explosive and, and, his the expectations upon his career have placed him in a pl- in a place that we all feel like he's going to be an impact player that early in his career. The other wide receivers, though, Malik Neighbors, you have listed here, wide receiver eleven, so already a wide receiver one. Ryan eighteen overall, and then Roma Dunze, a guy we uh, talked about, I believe, last week, wide receiver twenty five, so a fringe wide receiver two there at thirty nine overall. These guys, you're you're having to invest very high startup picks in these guys already, and that points to really what kind of value you may get in the in a rookie draft this coming yeah. season if you have one of those top few picks. Because Harrison, Neighbors, and Adunze, both all three of them look like players you're going to want to build your team around. Absolutely. And and Harrison has kind of stolen the spotlight a little bit here when you talk about the rookie class overall or you talk about the rookie receivers. But I mean, in almost every other year, Malik Neighbors would be the runaway wide receiver one in, in a typical right. rookie class. And here he is uh, looking like the wide receiver two. Uh, but as you said, still a top 12 dynasty wide receiver uh, already. And 18 overall, so he's being drafted, uh, just for reference, right behind Jonathan Taylor, uh, just ahead of of Sam Laporta and Devontae Smith, Michael Pittman, guys like that. So already definitely being valued very highly are the rookie receivers. Speaking of Sam Laporta, John, he comes in as the tight end one by quite a ways at 19 overall. Trey McBride comes in at tight end two in February ADP, collected over on Dynasty League football.com at 40 overall. So almost a couple of rounds between Laporta and McBride. When you look at Sam Laporta and the production that he posted in Detroit in his rookie season, first of all, do you see him as that runaway for number one tight end? And then secondly, that production, is there, is there more room to grow with Sam Laporta? Uh, as far as more room to grow, it's going to be tough for him to get above 19th overall. I mean, that, that's always tough for any tight end unless you get into that Jason or Jason Kelsey, geez, uh, Travis Kelsey level. Uh, but, you know, I, I see the disparity between Laporte and McBride, and I love both players. I don't think that there's two rounds worth of difference, at least for in my opinion, for them. So, you know, even though I do have Laporta as my tight end one in my ranks and everything, I don't know that I'm willing to, to you know, jump ahead to two rounds to go ahead and get him over McBride. I'd much rather just wait if I'm in a in a draft or, you know, if that translates to trade values, then I'd much rather, you know, trade for the lower value of McBride. I know there's some, you know, question marks with Marvin Harrison Jr. possibly going over to Arizona. But, you know, I believe it's one of those things where, it, you know, th- there's enough ball to go around for two players. You know, it's when you start talking about three, four, five players, that's when we start having a problem. But I don't think McBride's all of a sudden going to be like, you know, non-existent just because MHJ is over on the other side, even if that does happen, which is obviously is not a guarantee. Speaking of Laporta's stats, 86 catches for 889 yards so just over 10 yards a catch but those 10 touchdowns really inflated his fantasy production he's going to have to continue to produce in the red zone in order to stay atop the tight end rankings moving forward another thing that jumped off to me on this list of things that you collected here ryan is those young texans wide receivers nico collins comes in at wide receiver 12 at 20 overall that that's probably going to shock a lot of dynasty managers. I didn't, I didn't misspeak. I don't think you mistyped that. Tank Dell, meanwhile, wide receiver 19 at 30 overall. So two 
uh, top 20 wide receivers down there in Houston. Of course, a great young quarterback down there as well and an offense that we want to invest in. Ryan, if I'm in a startup right now, I am not spending the 20th pick on Nico Collins. There's not a chance. I, I wouldn't even spend the 30th pick on him. I would spend it on Tank Dell, though, and that's where he comes in. Yeah, the Nico Collins ADP was a little surprising, actually very surprising to me as well. Uh, 20 overall, as you mentioned, ahead of Devontae Smith, Michael Pittman, uh, Brandon Ayuk, Devon Achan, Travis Etienne. Uh, I, I love Nico Collins. I love the season we saw from him this past year. You know, a, a truly uh, exciting breakout season, but this feels like two rounds too high. I mean, uh, just looking at some names down the list, far down the list, DJ Moore goes 33 overall. DK Metcalf, 34. Zay Flowers, 35. Jordan Addison, wow. 37. Debo Samuel, 38. So again, uh, Nico Collins at 20 looks uh, looks to be very overdrafted. Another thing that jumps off the page when you look at this ADP, John, is there are four running back ones. Uh, or excuse me, running backs in round one. It's B. John Robinson, Brees Hall, Christian McCaffrey, and Jameer Gibbs, all among the tw top 12. RB5 is Kyron Williams at 15 overall. Are we in the season right now where these running backs are getting pushed up early in the offseason? Because that doesn't seem like what we should be doing. When you're in a draft, are you investing in the running back position that early? I think you have to because, you know, it seems counterintuitive because everyone wants to be out on the running backs right now. But we have this handful of players, you know, and, and we can kind of throw Kyron in there. I, I'm not really willing to have them in, in that top tier. But, you know, Bijan, Brees, McCaffrey, and uh, Gibbs, we're expecting them to all be true studs. Uh, maybe Gibbs won't be like a true workhorse, but he's already kind of proven that he doesn't have to be an actual workhorse to put up, you know, high-end numbers. And so when it's all said and done, you want to get your hands on those guys because there's so few of those guys in these drafts that if you don't end up with one, if you don't have a CMC, a Brees, you know, whoever, then, you know, now you're like, oh, well, you know, I'm, I have <laughs> Devin Singletary as my RV one. And, and, you know, it's just, it's not the same. So uh, I get, it seems counterintuitive. We, especially in dynasty, we don't always want to invest in, in running backs. I mean, that's basically the, the opposite of what Ryan McDowell wants to talk about. But, you know, I think that we do have to at least have it for these guys because it's just a different game right now. We don't have 20 guys that we can say we can't, we're confident in week in and week out. Yeah, I guess I paused to give Ryan a chance. Uh, to... <laughs> I'm just it's 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 tough. I mean, the, so specifically, Bijan, Brees Hall, and and Jameer Gibbs are in the they're in the top ten overall. They're in the first round overall, not only because of how they've performed, but how young they are as well. So mm -hmm. I think we're falling in that trap a little bit of thinking, you know, I can draft Bijan Robinson or I can draft Amon Ross St. Brown and and expect them to be around for the next 10 years. And we know, we know that's not going to happen. Um, at least it's very, very, very unlikely to see those longer running back careers. So and I'm deciding between a running back and St. Brown or Garrett Wilson or Puka Nakua or Marvin Harrison Jr. I'm still thinking the wide receiver every single time. And, you know, give me Joe Mixon in round 10 or Alvin Kamara in round 10. And I'll, I'll keep figuring out the running back position. Maybe I'll even look out and find the next guy in Williams who's going to blow up in value. But I want that player in the first round, the first couple of rounds. I want that player that's going to be around for quite a while. Ryan, before we move on, I'm wondering, did CeeDee Lamb move up? in adp did he did he get any 102 votes this he this month? oh he got he got a bunch in fact uh when you when you get down to the decimal point cd lamb jamar chase both have the exact same adp 2.5 uh, so we've got justin jefferson number one overall still chase and lamb essentially tied at the 1.2 and the wide receiver two spot who are you taking there john who are you taking at the 102 you know what? I, I actually I, I have moved CD ahead of Chase, and it's not a talent thing. Uh, you know, I think sometimes we have to look at you know full profiles and not just talent. And so, like, I believe that Chase is a better player. It might not be like substantially better, but I do believe he's a better talent or more talented player. But 
he's proven to not be the healthiest. He's, he's already missed multiple games in consecutive seasons. Joe Burrow has proven not to be the healthiest. He's missed consecutive, you know, games in consecutive seasons as well. I'm not saying that it'll continue. And hopefully I'm hoping for my own sake and everyone else's that this will be the year where they both put it all together. But I do think we have to knock chase down a little bit. And then with the season that CD had and, and the, you know, consistency with Dak and everything, I, I think we can just say, you know what, CD feels like the safer bet, but we see the ceiling that he has. So it's, you're not losing anything by moving him ahead. And yet, you know, like I said, Chase might have that 50 point week, but then, you know, he might also be hurt the next week. And so I, I kind of want that consistency with CD. And that's why I've moved him just slightly ahead of, of Jamar Chase. Yeah, I think that that's a good representation of why dynasty managers are, are pivoting that way as well. Before we get to the rookie report, here's a brief note from our sponsor, Factor Meals. It's tough to keep your New Year's resolutions, whether we're talking about Dynasty, you know, we've all got so many leagues already. Are we really going to join another startup? Can we have the amount of time to take on another league? Uh, I'm going to make more trades and be more active this season. You know, we got we got a lot of things going on as a Dynasty manager and uh, Factor is here to help you with some of your New Year's resolutions. Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. Skip the grocery stores, prep work, and cooking fatigue. Instead, get chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door with over 35 meals to choose from per week, including options like keto, calorie smart, vegan plus, veggie, and more, plus over 55 weekly add-ons. You'll have a ton of nutritious and flavorful options to kick your, start your resolutions. So how do you get started over at Factor? You go to factormeals.com slash mostaccurate50 and use code mostaccurate50 to get 50% off. That's code mostaccurate50 at factormeals.com slash mostaccurate50 to get 50% off today. It's time for the Rookie Report. Yeah, let's get into it. It was a fun conversation last week with you, John. So let's uh, let's dive right into a running back, one that many dynasty managers are pretty excited about. Jonathan Brooks, the running back from Texas. Of course, he wasn't a big part of the Texas offense until this past season. It was really a running back committee uh, early in the season even, but he clearly became the that factor running back, that guy that could take over that backfield 187 carries uh over 1100 yards and 10 touchdowns also was part of the passing game catching 25 balls for nearly 300 yards and a receiving touchdown i watched a lot of jonathan brooks over the last few weeks in fact uh a few weeks ago i think we were i can't remember what running back we were talking about i think we were talking about bucky irving actually so and that was that was when I was really trying to weigh the differences between Trey Benson and Bucky Irving and Jonathan Brooks. I, I, I tend to throw Blake Corum in that as well. And Brooks, although I love his burst up the field between the tackles, I think he runs with power, even more power than maybe his size might, might tell you. He's six foot. He's listed at 207 on the Texas website. Um, he loves to finish runs with authority and, and run over, especially defensive backs at the third level, which I love. I typically love that. I'm not sure he's big enough to take that kind of pounding at the next level. So, you know, while I had him a little bit higher and a lot of dynasty managers have him as the RB one, I have him down at RB four right now, uh, 14 overall. He could move up. I, I haven't spent enough time on Benson, although I watched him. I love Bucky Irving. I'm not sure if you listened to that episode, but I really feel like he could be an explosive playmaker at the next level. And that's kind of the bar for me. I know I'm probably not in the majority there. Um, it's Irving, Braylon Allen, and Trey Benson for me. I think Jonathan Brooks is just a small step behind that group and probably pushes him into the second round for me. Yeah, well, if you think that Jonathan Brooks is too small, I got I got some bad news about Bucky Irving there, buddy. <laughs> but, well, he's small, but he's so much more explosive. 
He is absolutely, and I love Bucky too. I'm not hating on him by any means. <laughs> Just, but I mean, honestly, I feel like Brooks has enough size. You know, we 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 look for thresholds. You know, people were worried about Jameer Gibbs last year, and I'm not comp- comping the players by any means. But you know, it's just like Gibbs proved like the 199 doesn't truly matter. And, and you know, I have I don't know if you have a different number. I have Jonathan Brooks at, at 207. You know, I really don't yeah. think that you know that I'm too worried about that. If anything, you know. He's not going to. He's not going to uh, do anything at the combine because of uh, the ACL injury that he had late in the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, if anything, he's probably going to gain a little bit of weight. And so, not, not that that's going to matter once he actually steps on the field, but for combine purposes, for for NFL purposes, and and for the draft, he's probably going to be like two fifteen when it's all said and done. Um, so, you know, like it. Not that, like I said, it's not going to translate to the field because as soon as he starts running and everything again, he's going to be right back to the probably two ten, two oh seven, whatever he is. Uh, but I mean, we're seeing the NFL transitioning to these smaller players, whether it's wide receivers, uh, running backs, obviously, and, and even some tight ends as well. So, you know, I, I'm not overly concerned about that. But like you said, he has that short area burst. He has the athleticism. Uh, but I feel like he's one of the few uh players in this draft that really has everything i mean he has he has that burst he has that athleticism he has decent size at least um but he has that receiving profile we don't get that with a lot of players there's a lot of players that you know are are great receiving players but you know they might be at 190 195 in this draft class then there's uh, the other ones that are 225 but maybe they're more of that two down grinder kind of deal so i feel like brooks is definitely one of the ones that can put it all together and be that workhorse back if he's able to come back from the injury and and you know and obviously gets decent draft capital that comes along with it and that's really going to be the the issue for me is does he get that but obviously we can get into that here in a second I think he probably gets the draft capital and you mentioned that he's not going to work out. He's, he's not probably even not even going to have an opportunity to do much of a pro day before uh, the draft comes along. So he, he's going to weigh in at the combine. He's going to do the hand size, all those kinds of things, but we're not going to get any bumps either up or down based on that. The thing that, that really holds me back on it. He is extremely physical for a guy, his size. And even though he's playing power five and he's playing against some of the best teams in college football, I'm not sure that his play style will, will transition smoothly for that long of a season because he almost looks for contact and guys that are Mm -hmm. small that do that, they tend to get banged up, tend to miss games and that could affect him in, in our dynasty game. So Ryan, it, it does seem like he's going to be a day two guy, probably round yeah. round two, three pivot, right, right around there. Um, it's questionable whether he'd be the first, second, third, fourth running back off the board, though. They're all lumped together, it feels like to me. What are you seeing out there in these mock drafts? I, I know it's early, but but there's certainly a lot of them out there at this point. Yeah, there definitely are. Um, and, and getting more and more of those all the time, not only – uh, not only NFL mock drafts, but we're getting some rookie mock drafts. And we talked about the ADP earlier. We'll have rookie ADP posted over at DLF as well. Uh, in those early rookie mocks, we're seeing we're seeing Brooks uh, most often show up as an early to mid second round pick. Um, and of course, that's that's impacted both by injury that John mentioned and just the the, the lack of clarity at the running back position. So. As we said with all these guys that we talked about Irving and, and others included, Brooks could be the RB1 or he could be the RB5 or, or anywhere in between or, or maybe even falling further than that. Looking over at PFF, they do have Brooks as their RB1, their, their first uh, or their top graded running back. Now they have him as a top 60 player. The mock draft database has Brooks as, a, uh, as the RB3 and a top 75 player. So yeah, we're, we're still talking about uh, pretty solidly as a day two pick, which that's where I think Brooks ends up. But again, that's where I think Corum and, and, and Bucky Irving all land as well. So um, I think if, if these top four or five running back, Braylon included, if they're all packed in pretty tightly, it's just going to come down to landing spot. Yeah, landing spot and probably whatever you feel right now is what's gonna yeah. is what's gonna teeter totter you over, right? If you get the good landing spot and you thought he was the best uh, 
best guy in the draft, best running back prospect in the draft, you're going to feel real good about him. Maybe he gets pushed into the 11th, 12th pick in the first round. John, not going to hold you to it, but if you're drafting right now, are you taking him, taking Jonathan Brooks as the first running back off the board in a dynasty league? I don't think I can do it because of the injury. I, I will say, just to be clear, that he would have easily been my RB1 had he not had the injury. But I believe oh. with the injury, I mean, I, I don't see a team investing as highly as they would have. And so, you know, you guys are talking about second and third round. I mean, second second round for a running back right now is almost like unheard of. You know, like it doesn't happen all that often anymore. Uh, and so I don't think it's going to be second round. And, um, so really, I feel like we're hoping for third round. I don't think it would be that crazy that he falls into the fourth round uh, because of the okay. injury. And so if that's the case... You know, especially then I, I can't I can't draft them as my RB one in the class. Um, but I really feel like once you get past those top three or four, you know, like you were saying, you know, having them at four, I, I think is what you said. You know, I really don't mind that at all. And you know, honestly, that's probably where I would end up drafting him. Uh, but you know, if he gets that better draft capital, if he gets second round capital, you better believe he's probably going to be my RB one. <laughs> so it, it just really depends like because I don't think he's going to get that investment. I, th I think he can play in multiple schemes, though. He can play between the tackles in a more of a power running game. He can certainly run uh, in a gap scheme. And, and uh, you know, I, I could see him landing in almost any offense. Some team's going to fall in love with Brooks in the film he put together in 2023. That injury is awful. I wish he was healthy. I wish we got the 40 time. And I wish he could compete to be that RB1 in the class. I agree with you. He's going to get pushed down the NFL draft board. I'd be surprised if he lasts past like mid mid third round though. I, I really do feel like a team's gonna bring him in as a at, at the very least part of a one two punch. He he certainly uh, looks to be that to me. Let's move on to the second uh, rookie that we need to talk about this week and transition over to the wide receiver position. It's Malachi Corley from Western Kentucky, another small explosive wide receiver had a huge year in 2022 went over 100 catches nearly 1300 yards and 11 touchdowns played uh didn't quite post those numbers in 2023 though uh 79 catches just short of a thousand yards but 11 more touchdowns john he's listed at 511 looks 59 or 510 um, I watched the, I watched the Ohio state game live. I, I remember that game. I went back and watched the entire game. Once again, I wanted to see him play against potential NFL, albeit maybe, maybe later round uh, corners. And I saw, I saw Ohio state slow him down. Although I think he went eight for 88 and a touchdown in the game. They slowed him down with one-on-one -on -one coverage. And that was that was really the only negative I could find of him. I really like Malachi Corley. I think he, if you watch his feet tape, you're going to see it. It's full of bubble screens. Um, but when he does get opportunities down the field, he looks explosive. Uh, he Deep crosses, he looks like a, a beast. Uh, he can create separation by, he, he just eats up um, that cushion and creates opportunities for hooks and underneath routes. And that's what we're all looking for. I came into this offseason saying, I am not going to overlook these, these smaller, diminutive type wide receivers anymore. NFL teams are transferring to a, to a mindset that these guys can be wide receiver ones. And I need to do the same thing. I think Corley is the epitome of this this year. I did it last year with Tank Dell. I bumped him down. And I'm not willing to do it anymore. Corley's speed creates opportunities all over the field. I think it's a little bit of Tank Dell here. And I'm really excited about his prospects as a day two NFL draft prospect. I love him in round two of a dynasty draft right now. Yeah, I get everything. And I was standing right next to him on the field at, at the Senior Bowl. And I'll tell you what, you know, you're probably right. He's probably about 5'9", you know, maybe 5'10", pushing it. But uh, okay. I'll tell you what, that is a man. Like, he is built. Uh, you know, he, okay. said, he's he's listed at 210. He's probably closer to 215, 220. I mean, he is just a built man. So, you know, as far as athleticism and, and uh, 
you know, and, and the ability to, to get off press and stuff, you would hope that he, he has that ability because he definitely has the strength to do it. Um, now, of course, we have to talk about the fact that he was playing at a lower level of competition in, in the Conference USA. You know, that's that's not always great. And what I'm looking for with those types of players is that they absolutely dominated. And what we see, when you know, we, especially when we look into like the actual stats, is he didn't really dominate. He He always, he was good. He was the best wide receiver on the team. But, you know, in a team throwing, you talked about his 2022 season, on a team that threw for almost 5,000 yards and 40 touchdowns, he had 1,200 yards and 11 touchdowns. That's good. That You know, that's that's great. That's what you want to see. It's not like that that standout player that, you know, I, I really say, oh, my God, he, he just took over the field. Like, no one could stop him. No one could not deny him. And when you get that kind of, like, he was good but not great vibe, then I wonder about stepping up to the NFL. Is it going to be an issue? Uh, the other thing is he was 92% in the slot. I mean, he is a slot wide receiver. He does not go out wide. Um, obviously, he can run deeper routes and everything from the slot. But how many actual full-time slot players do we see really like killing it in the NFL? Not too many. Right now, the only one that you might like really lean toward is, is uh, Jaden Reed. And I love Jaden Reed more than the next guy, but... Jaden Jaden Reed's a better wide receiver than Malachi Corley, as far as I'm concerned. So um, I think that Corley has a role that he can play. Uh, if you if people want him to be Debo Samuel, it's just not going to happen. I mean, they're just completely different players, and unfortunately, that's what you're going to get a lot of comps for is Malachi Corley is the next Debo Samuel, and everybody does that every year, and it's never the Debo Samuel. You're a lot more likely to get the Lavisca Chenault than you are Debo. Uh, but you know, I, and that's what that's the only thing I would really you know pump the brakes on. But I believe you said something around like the end of the second round. I, you know, I, I really don't have any issues with with that whatsoever. It's when people start trying to push them up a little bit higher than that. That's when I kind of start you know, hey, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and I get that. You said you you stood next to him. You watched him at, at down there in Mobile. You you saw him run these routes, and he creates that separation using only his speed. Right? It, it's the threat of that speed over the top that gets that corner to flip his hips and turn. And that's create creates opportunities underneath. And I, I think he's that explosiveness at the line of scrimmage. And then also after the catch, he makes plays after the catch, but he is a smaller guy. And, you know, your, your point about, you know, are you Debo or are you LaVisca Chenault? It's really hard to be Debo. He's a one of one, right? He's not that guy that we're going to see another copy of him. Just, just plummet into the NFL uh, or at least we haven't to this point. If there is a negative, uh, something that really slows you down about his upside at the next level, what would that be, John? Um, I think it would probably be long speed. You know, I, I believe he does have short area quickness, but you know, if if we're trying to develop him more as a wide receiver and not just be that little dink and dunk, you know, screen pass like gadgety guy, whatever you want to call it. Um, I don't know that he has the long speed to actually compete in the NFL. Uh, that would really be my biggest thing. Now, I'm not a film grinder, so I mean, I could easily be wrong. But just from the little bit that I saw at the Senior Bowl, and then you know, just what I've done, uh, you know, w looking at the numbers, I do believe, you know, it, once again, going back to Debo, just because I I always look at his profile just to say, like, hey, does anyone actually comp to this player? And the funny thing is. Debo is actually on the outside. He lines up on the outside so much more than people even realize. Like they think of him as this slot receiver and he's really not. He, he, he lines up out wide the majority of the time. And like I said, Corley's not going to do that, but just looking at the numbers, I mean, even just looking at the college numbers, Debo outdid, outproduced uh, Corley in everything. And Debo was playing in the sec, you know, compared to Corley playing in the, in the CUSA. So I, I just think that you can't really comp the two players, but then I also th think there's a lack of overall athleticism. Although, like I said, there, there probably is the short area burst, the short area speed to where he can get you seven, eight yards. I don't know if he can get you 16 yards. Yeah. See, I agree with that. And I, I think that long speed, it, it, again, he looks explosive and things like that. It, you know, I mentioned it as a positive. He relies on that. It, that burst and that acceleration to get open. That's a positive that start stop ability, right? That's a good thing. That's things we like the top of the stem. He, he flips that, that corners hips and creates a little bit of space and then snaps it off in the other direction. That's good. But he did all those things without a lot of route refinement, route development. I think 
honestly, as a route runner, there is a lot of work to do. He relies on that athleticism and ability to start and stop. That's probably the biggest negative that I see. Now, maybe that ability to stop and start will create a lot of opportunities with the right wide receiver coach, with with the white right mentor above him on the depth chart at the next level. When I look at mock drafts, Ryan, and this is where I want to bring you into the conversation, he does seem like a day two pick. There's going to be a team that really loves him as their slot receiver, their future in the slot because of that explosiveness and ability to run after the catch. If he falls into round two, which you see mocks out there where he's a round two pick and, and maybe even a top 50 pick, that that points to maybe him moving up dynasty draft boards. Yeah, he is a player right now that I think there's there's a little bit of a disconnect, and we see this every year. There's a disconnect between his current expected uh, NFL draft position versus where we see him going in these early rookie mocks. Uh, I mean, he's falling into the fourth round of some of these rookie mocks we're doing and, and pretty consistently being drafted in the third round. Um, and as you said, if he's if he's a day two pick, certainly if he's a second rounder, we're going to see him get a big value boost. So, you know, I think you you both can be right on Corley there. I mean, not only is is he a Kentucky boy, he is from the the same town where I went to college. So I followed Corley pretty closely for a while now and, and certainly rooting for him. I mean, the Debo comps, I totally agree, John. They're, they're unfair and really they're unfair for any player because he is such a unique uh, a unique player, unique weapon in the NFL. But essentially the Debo comps come because Cordley looks like a running back playing wide receiver. And when you think about that, that's Debo, right? And uh, he didn't necessarily get a, a ton of opportunities to carry the ball at uh, at WKU, but he, he's got that frame. And I don't know. I, I don't see the Tank Dell stuff. I know he's a little a little undersized as far as height, but yeah, I mean, he, he is cut up. He looks, I mean, he can run over guys and three guys. Um, that's, that's part of that run after catchability, not just, uh, not just the speed that he possesses. Where do you think he belongs, John, in a, in a single quarterback rookie dynasty draft, if you're doing one right now? Yeah. Single QB definitely makes a difference because there's so many quality or, I was, there's a lot of, uh, of, of good quarterbacks that are going to be drafted in, in this draft. So the single QB makes a huge difference. So I, I'd really say, you know, like back end of the second round is where I'm willing to take the shot on Corley. Um, you know, in, in a super flex, I'd probably be more, you know, into the third round. Yeah. I think I'm mid second right now. I think I have a 19 in my ranking. So maybe a step higher than that or a slight step higher than that. I'm pretty excited about his potential to land somewhere where, uh, offensive coach will see him as a weapon and a guy I want to get the ball to regularly. And if he gets that top 50 draft capital, he'll stay there. If he slips to round three, though, he'll probably slip more towards the top end of round three in my rankings. The final rookie we need to talk about here is Jordan Whittington, the wide receiver out of Texas, former five-star recruit. Um, played five seasons at Texas, never caught more than, I think, 50 passes. In a specific year, John, or three touchdowns in a season as well. Suffered some injuries early in his career, but former five-star, you're a Debbie guy. You're you're watching these guys come out of high school and, and seeing these guys as potential impact players in Dynasty down the road. Whittington never really filled those shoes and now looks like a day three NFL draft prospects. Personally, I don't have him in my top 50 in Dynasty rank, rookie rankings. Yeah, I'm right there with you. And it's actually probably a, a great lesson to learn if you're wanting to get into Debbie, if, if you've been in Debbie, whatever, is he was he was a five-star prospect, but he was a five-star athlete prospect. He was not a five-star wide receiver prospect. And mm. so, you know, he's showing he's showing athleticism, he's showing that, but he was never a full-time wide receiver in high school. And so he came out, you know, if you go read the profile on 247, he comes out and it says he's a raw profile, never been a full-time player at any one position, you know, played multiple positions, yada, yada, yada. And 
he never got past that. You know, it's just not to say that no athlete has ever gotten better or anything like that, but the odds of those players probably hitting, especially early on, are, are definitely uh, slim to none. And then, you know, even later on, we just saw that he never truly transitioned. And there was a lot of excitement in the Debbie realm for Whittington every year. It was like, oh man, you know, like I used to, I don't know if you guys know who Isaiah Nayer is. Um, I was pretty excited about him at Texas. Unfortunately, he tore his ACL as well, um, and then he, he kind of never came back from it. So it ended up not really mattering uh, in the long term. But at the time, I was like, man, I'm really high on Isaiah Nayor. And people were like, no, 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 Jordan, Jordan Winnington's still there. <laughs> you know, they were like, you know, trying to you know get me to calm down on my Nayor hype. And I'm like, well, I don't really believe in, in Winnington. And nothing really changed. Like you said, every year, it's just kind of the same thing. Three, 400 yards, a few touchdowns. He just never really pro progressed into an actual wide receiver. And I'm right there with you. Like, I, I don't have him in, in my top 50 players. I probably wouldn't have him in my top 75 if I really had to, like, really, like, dig down deep. Yeah, and, and draft capital is not going to be there from everything that I've seen. In fact, I, I even looked at a few seven-round mocks, and, and there's not that many of those right now. But in a couple of those, his name wasn't even listed. So while Ooh. you see him listed as a day three guy, there's the possibility that maybe he's an RFA. Um, he, you know, if, he, if you had to point at a positive, it'd probably be that he makes contested catches. He's 6'1", uh, 2'10", I think he is. So he made a few of those. He's not very explosive after the catch. It certainly shows up that he's not not the greatest athlete for being listed as an athlete, as John said. Ryan. Uh, what are you seeing in these mock drafts? Where, where are you seeing him landing? Uh, yeah, I think that athlete listing maybe came from uh, being used as a running back, and and he was used as a running back a little bit at Texas. So, you know, maybe maybe that versatility helps him a little bit, but he's he's certainly not the next Debo Samuel either. Um, yeah, we actually have him as wide receiver twenty two in our rookie rankings, and that looks pretty aggressive. Look uh, compared to some of the oh, other I gotta go look I gotta I gotta go look to make sure I didn't accidentally rank him. <laughs> uh PFF has him as the wide receiver 34 just side of the top 200 overall players mock draft database wide receiver 27 just inside the top 200. So yeah he's a he's a first top 200 overall player uh certainly a day three pick at best and you know barring the the greatest landing spot i don't even know what that would be uh he's probably probably should not be drafted in your typical three or four round redraft john i think this is the last time we're going to have a chance to talk to you at least at least in the, for the next couple weeks you better uh let people know where to find you what you're up to one more time and uh say your so longs <laughs> well, hopefully I will be back at some point, you know, maybe not next week, but hopefully sometime soon. Uh, I don't think I actually gave my handle on, uh, <laughs> on last week. So, you know, I will say I'm at dynasty coach a on Twitter or X. Uh, you can obviously find me there. I did have some people reach out after the pod and, and, and shout me out and everything. So that was cool. Uh, gain, you know, gain some new listeners and followers and all that kind of stuff. And actually, uh, one of them ended up taking over an orphan of mine for a, a Debbie league that I have. So it worked out great. Nice. Uh, but, but yeah, you can find me. I'm the host of the Debbie De devotional. I'm also the host of the full tilt Debbie podcast. You can find me there every other week. Uh, you know, you listen to that. And then obviously I'm always writing for DLF. I just wrote an article that came out today, I believe, uh, maybe even this evening. Uh, so you can go check that one out. Uh, it's talking about, uh, uh, some like later in later, uh, round later, second round picks. Sorry. They're, they're the words. <laughs> Yeah, so catch John on DLF. He, as he said, he's writing uh, regularly for us, and and those Devi podcasts are great for the future of Dynasty. For Ryan, I am Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty podcast. We're hoping to have Matt back next week, and we'll catch you then. Thank you for listening to the DLF Dynasty podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.